Ephesians chapter three, verse number eight tonight. The Bible says unto me, who Paul speaking, who am less than the least of all the saints. I understand it's the inspired word of God, but I'd have to take that with Paul and say, Paul, no, that's me. Paul, you're not as lower than, you're not lower than me, Paul. You're not least than me. You've obviously got to be above me. Can I say that's the reason why God elevated Paul? Because Paul never lost that attitude. Paul never got too big for his britches, so to speak. He said, I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul had a life. Uh, before salvation. He was a made man. He, he had everything a man could want and it all was upwards in the, the realms of Jewish religion and, 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 and Judaism and Phariseeism. And Paul said, who am I that I get to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus. He stood the test of time. I'm glad the gospel isn't something new. I'm glad that God didn't say, oh man, what are we gonna do? But God said, before time was, I knew about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of my son. I, I knew that this was gonna happen. I knew it was gonna take place, and I was willing to do it. Look at verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Did you know God wants the church to know some things? God ain't for ignorant churches. He wants the church to know some things. Look at verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he had purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole, whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by a spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all, the saints, with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth and height and to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge. <laughs> verse 18, go down to verse number 19. He says, I want you to comprehend something in verse number 19 that passes knowledge. I want you to understand, I'm about to get about the church, but I want you to realize this evening that it's an amazing thing. He said, preacher, that doesn't make any kind of sense. That is a contradictory. No, it's just telling us the depth of Christ's love for us, that yes, we comprehend that yes, Christ loves me and, and I love him, but he first loved me and I, I can't explain it all, but what I do comprehend, I'm starting to realize that it's extremely, there's the breadth, the length, and the depth. It's, it's far greater than we could ever realize tonight how much God loves us. Love of Christ and passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus for the first few years of the church throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we sure are grateful tonight, Lord, for the church. And we sure are grateful tonight for you. Lord, without Christ, there would be no church. Without your death, without your burial, without, with, without your resurrection, without the gospel, Lord, your word says, if you be not risen, our, our faith is in vain. 
Uh, Lord, if you are still in the grave today, if you're like Buddha, if you're like Muhammad, if you're like all those that have come before and tried to come after you, uh, Lord, we'd be of most men miserable. But I'm so thankful, Lord, tonight outside of Jerusalem, there is a garden tomb that remains empty Lord, because on the third day you rose up again by your own power. Lord, you were seen to ascend into heaven. You've given the promise. We sang about it, Lord. Today could be the day, Lord, that you return back for the church. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, to be part of the church. Amen. I'm so thankful to be part of the bride of Christ. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that when you do return, I know you're coming for me. I'm so thankful, Lord, you didn't, you didn't pawn it off. Lord, you didn't, you didn't delegate it to somebody else. Lord, you are coming for your bride. Lord, we sure are grateful for that tonight. Lord, I ask as we get to the church now and with our study on it, Lord, help us to see clearly, Lord, the value and the importance of the local church. Lord, thank you, Lord, for our local church. Lord, thank you for South Haven Baptist Church. God, thank you for a beacon on the side of the highway. God, thank you for a place, God, where you meet with us and you help us. And we understand tonight, Lord, that it is not in and of ourselves, but Lord, we want to see your glory in the church. Lord, that was your declare, that was your instruction, not just, Lord, for just a little while, but Lord, until you return, help us to have your glory in this place. Lord, we love you, we thank you. Lord, did you have me behind the cross of Calvary? God, use me for your glory tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, there's a lot of things that the church is, but the reality is it is more than that, Right? I'm a firm believer that a church should be organized, right? The Bible says let all things be done decently and in order, and I think a church ought to be organized. There's Bible outlines that we'll get into a few weeks of how I believe God wants the church to be organized as far as leadership, as far as roles and teaching and all those kind of things. A church ought to be organized, but a church is more than just an organization, right? It's more than just a 501c3, right? It's more than just an organized group of people, right? It's more than an organization. I've been a part of some organizations in my life. I've been part of the Boy Scouts of America. I've been part of the Youth American Bowlers Association. I've been part of this, that, and the other. Can I say there's a far difference between those things and what the church is. Now, they're both organizations, but there's a big difference between them. But it's more, it's more than just an organization. It ought to be organized, amen? A, a church should gather together, Right, and we are a, a gathering of, of uh, saved individuals, baptized individuals, yet it's more than just a gathering, right? Aren't you glad when you come in here, we don't just sit and stare at each other? Not saying that we wouldn't have, to have a good time. There's, there's enough people in here with enough funny and sense of humor. We'd have a good time, but we're more than just gathered together. Can I say there's a lot of places where there's a lot of people gathering, but nothing's being accomplished. You ever been to the DMV on a Monday morning? There's a lot of people gathered there. There's not a whole lot going on, though. So it's more than just a gathering. It's more than just an organization. Now, should the church help others? Of course, but the church is more than just an aid station. I have no problem with somebody going over to Africa to dig a well to help those people get water. My issue is that when they, that's solely what they do and there's no gospel, there's no church attached to it. Right, there's nothing wrong with those things, but if you're going under the moniker of a, a biblical missionary, you go back to the journeys of Paul and uh, his, his missionary journeys, he planted churches. We've already talked about that. And we see that it's, it's more than just an aid station should a church look nice? I believe it ought to look as, as good as it can look, but it's more than just nice facilities and nice things tonight. 
And so here's the thing, a church can check all of those boxes, right? It could look nice, help others, be a gathering place, be an organization, but not, have, be, not, not be alive and active. Right, it can only it, it, it can be what Jesus called the white and sepulchers. Right, they look real nice on the outside, but there's something missing on the inside. It's one of those you you've heard me say it before. Just because something has a steeple does not mean it's a church. Just because the sign says it is a church does not mean it's a Bible believing church. Amen. And it's just like anything else in life. You know, you go you go anywhere. You go to New York. You go to any kind of city. You'll find someone that says we serve the best coffee in the entire city, or we serve the best pizza in the entire city. Really, that's their personal opinion. Right, there's a lot of people, we are a church, and you go to, you begin to look at it, right? Every time I go down the road, right, and I, I, see, I see a billboard out there that says, uh, uh, such and such church pastored by, you know, it has the wife, and then it has the husband. And that ain't right. It ain't right. They may be well-meaning, but it ain't right. Right, a church can check all these, have all these, but still not be alive and active. Here's the thing, a church can lack some of these areas, Right, there's, it's amazing. If you hang around independent Baptist churches long enough, you'll find out a lot of them are, were started in storefront churches. They, they, were, they were started in storefront buildings. Why was that, preacher? When, when most men pulled out of the Southern Baptist Convention, they had no buildings anymore. They had no resources anymore. So they'd go somewhere in town, and oftentimes they'd rent out a storefront building, and, and they would, that's where they would start their church. I mean, I absolutely, I love, I can't tell me, I, I think about Canaan across town. I remember going to one at somewhere in South Carolina, a little storefront church. God met with us there. I was thinking about in Albania, right? There was a nail salon above us. There was something next to us and tucked in this little building in Valor, Albania, right? Was a church and God met with us, right? So you don't have to have all these things and it can still be a church. There's some churches, they're not organized. You walk in and, Whatever's fixing to happen is fixing to happen. And yet the Lord meets with them. Now, this evening we have an order of service here. We have some things planned out, but it's all up to the Lord. Right? And the Lord begins to, matter of fact, as far as I know, the second song we sang this morning, the choir sang, was not on the paper. We called an audible. We, call it, we, we stopped and said, this is the song that the Lord wants us to sing. We, we are organized. We try our best to be organized. But the ultimate thing is it's up to the Lord. Right? See, so there's some churches, they, they're not organized. You just show up and 30 seconds before service, let's figure it out. What are we fixing to do? There's some preachers. It's amazing, it's amazing to me how they can walk up to the, and just have their Bible and all of a sudden out of nowhere. Right? They, they, they can preach a solid biblical message. And I think to myself, I would die. I would die in a heart. I love notes. I love studying. I love having all of that. I, I always go back to that one lady. Uh, she's a Supreme Court justice, and she was sitting there with no notes in front of her for three hours defending previous court cases. I said, how in the world can she do that? I can't preach 30 minutes without notes. But notice here tonight, you can have all that stuff or not have all of that stuff and still be a church. Ultimately, what we're going to look at tonight is the church is more than organization, it's more than facilities. Well, preacher, what is the church? It is an organism. It's an organism. Now, don't let that word scare you. We're not going to have a science lesson, but we're going to look at this as an organism. Well, preacher, why? And here's the thing, an organism is organized. Right? Think about yourself. You are an organism and inside of you is an organization of cells and blood and muscle and tissue and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? It's organized. How do you know that, preacher? Because your head is not where your foot's supposed to be and your hand is not where your knee's supposed to be. 
Right, you're organized. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And just like we are fearfully and wonderfully, we're organized, the church ought to be organized. An organism is organized. An organism is gathered together. Right? Last time I checked, you didn't walk in here, pull your arm, put it on, grab your foot from another, another pew, stick it on. You came in here together, gathered together. Your body was together. An organism has abilities. Right? It can do things. It can achieve things. In essence, you could say this way. An organism has power and an organism has purpose. The same thing is true about the church. Right? The church, the local church ought to have power and the local church has a purpose. We got two points tonight. I'll give them to you as quick as I can. But notice number one, the church has power. Look at Ephesians chapter three, verse number 20. Now unto him that is exceeding or is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And so in essence tonight, if that power is in me and that power is in you as a born again child of God, saved by the grace of God, right, in Christ, now that power is inside of you and that power is inside of me, well, guess what? Then it ought to be in the church, right? It ought to be in the church. Now the church ought to have power. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Here's the thing tonight. A body without power is dead. A body without power is dead. I looked it up and I found out, because I got to thinking about that, you know, the, the, they, they call it different things. Tonight they were to do a, a scan on your brain and they found no activity in there. None of the neurons were firing and all that kind of stuff, the, uh, whatever, however that thing works up there. They were to scan that and nothing came back, they would call you what? Brain dead. Their brain dead. Their brain is no longer has power. How of us know tonight that we feel like there's some people that are walking around planet earth brain dead. But then I found out not only is their brain dead, but there's clinically dead. I thought what in the world is the difference between clinically dead and graveyard dead? A graveyard dead isn't a technical term. <laughs> but clinical death is when your heart goes into cardiac arrest. Your body shuts down it loses its power. Here's the thing tonight. Either one of those cases, that person's only hope is resurrection. Somebody who is clinically dead, Tylenol ain't going to help them. Someone who's clinically dead, right? Uh, positive thinking is not going to help them. They need something that will bring life back into their heart. They've got those AEDs. They've got CPR. Here's the thing. They said that the, the human body can go from, I think it was something from like 12 to 16 hours without blood flowing through it and it not be damaged. But the brain can only go three. In essence, tonight we got to realize that a church that doesn't have power doesn't have very long left. A church that doesn't have the power of God flowing and moving in it doesn't have long left. Le unless they appeal back to God. There's revival, a reviving of that which was dead or dying. The church ought to have power. Why? An organism has power. It has the ability to do things. One of the true marks of a church is the evident presence of the power of God. And I'm not talking about signs and wonders. My preacher, how do you know the power of God is present in a church when Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, talking about the word of God, how it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it divides 
thoughts and it goes down to the bone and the marrow and all of that kind of stuff, when that is the life verse of the church, it's not because they holler loud enough. It's not because they run the aisles faster than anybody else. It's not because they know when to clap at the right part of the song, but they are solely allowing the word of God to work and to move in their life, right? A church that has power is one that is functioning under the authority of God's word. We'll see that tonight. I, 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 I don't care how nice and wonderful a church may be if there is no gospel there. There is no power. <laughs> Preacher, why do you think there's so many dead churches? I hate to say that. I wish it wasn't that way. Preacher, why is there so many dead churches? There's bodies of, of people, but there's no power there. So many of them are getting away from the word of God. They have good songs. They sing Amazing Grace like we sing Amazing Grace. Right? They, they have good people. They help out. They, they, are, they are sacrificial and all that kind of stuff. They have removed the word of God or they've twisted the word of God into something that it does not say. In the moment you get this thing backwards or the moment you get backwards with this thing, power goes out the window. Right, you, you can't have the power of God and be going against the word of God. Can't, we talked about it in Sunday school, Amos 3.3, 3, how in the world can two walk together except they be agreed? And oftentimes we talk that about our, our friendships this way, but can I say, how can you walk with God unless two are, are agreed tonight? You're in unison. Oh, preacher, how do I know what he wants? It's in the word of God tonight. And how can a church claim to have the power of God and deny the very word of God tonight? I'm not talking about those signs and wonder. often. <laughs> I don't know why I do it to myself. Probably just need to take YouTube off, off my TV. I was laying in bed last night, and I turned on, I, I don't know why I do it to myself. Because really, they're not funny. But I turned on funny church videos. Now, some of them are funny. Someone tripping going up the, the, the platform, different things like that. Guy playing the piano, it just falls down to the ground. I get a chuckle into that kind of stuff. Right. preacher says something and uh, not meaning to say it. I mean, I say, I know what that's like. Can I say tonight one of the best, this has nothing to do with being in the church, but it, the Christian life, one of the best things you'll ever be able to do is learn to laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself so serious. <laughs> learn to laugh at yourself, especially you teenage boys, teenage girls. You're fixing to enter into the most awkward stage of your life. Learn how to laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. But right, but there's, there's you know, all these different things. And, and here's the amazing thing. I got to watch these different videos and, and, and there was these guys and they were, you know, breathing on people, slapping people, taking their jacket off and going like this and people were falling over. You know what? I, that's never made it on those videos. A man standing behind the pulpit preaching, thus saith the Lord. Right? Because you cannot, you, you can't fake real. You can't fake real power. But here's the thing. Ephesians 16, 3, 16 through 20, right, gives us the recipe for, for power, right? So, preacher, why is there so many dead churches? Well, some of them have sold out the truth for entertainment. Some of them have sold it out for carnality. Places like Bethel, places like uh, Elevation, they've sold out the truth of God's word, right, for entertainment. I can't remember which one of those churches on Easter Sunday had people in there dancing like they were dancing at the club, immodestly. Wrong, just totally degrading to the, the, the Holy Spirit of God. And here's what their, their lead pastor said. We wanted to have an Easter service that would attract people 
that weren't used to going to church. Can I say Easter, we, yes, you normally have your, your biggest crowds on Easter's and Christmas, but can I say those, God didn't put those holidays on the, the calendar so you can have a big crowd. We put those holidays on the calendar so we can remember what Christ did for us. Not an Easter bunny or Santa Claus. It's Jesus was born and Jesus died and he rose again. But they, they sell out the truth for, for carnality. They sell it out for entertainment. They sell it out for tradition. Right, just because there, there's some churches, right, it's their traditions that kill them. Because they won't, they won't change them to get in line with the word of God. Well, preacher, that's what my grandma and my great-granny and my great-great-great-great-grandpappy did. Let me tell you something, as kind as I can say it, they was wrong. <laughs> or it wasn't, as, it wasn't gospel that they were doing. Anytime we hold on to those things, we lose and forfeit the power of God. Ephesians 3, 16 through 20 gives us this recipe, right? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend all saints uh, with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height and to know the love of Christ with passion. Let me ask, how can you know those things without the word of God? How can you know? Well, preacher, I'm going to look at the sea, and I'm going to look at nature, and I'm going to look at trees, and I'm going to, listen, yes, his handiwork does declare his glory tonight, but this, these are the very words, this is his mind on paper. I want to know what God's thinking right now. Well, get in the book. I want to have the power of God. Follow the recipe for the power of God. Right, simply put it this way, and that's how, how can I tell a church has the power of of God. Well, they are, they are loyal to the word of God, right? But there's some fruit, amen, that will be, take place in a church that has the power of God. Can I say, I, like I said, I love our, our choir singing, but a church that has the power of God may not always have a choir, right? They may not always have a young or an old pastor, but here's what you can look at. A church that has the power of God will see souls saved. They'll see people come to Christ. They'll see the saints strengthen or the saints grow. Right, they'll see the scriptures taught. You come around here long enough, Monday night, or Monday nights, Sunday nights, Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, anywhere in between that, men get together, ladies get together, and we're going to talk about the Bible. Right, we're going to have the scriptures being taught. We'll see the scriptures taught. They'll see the Savior glorified. It's not about the deacon board. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the soloist. It's about Jesus. We're here to lift him up tonight. And here's the thing. A, the church has power, right? We, we ought to have the power of God. Why? An organism has power. If there's no life to an organism, it is dead. If there's no life in the church, it is dead. It's dead. And the only hope for that place is revival. Surgeons, resurrection. Tonight, we see the church has power. Notice number two tonight, the church has a purpose. The church has a purpose. We find it in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. To the intent that now until the principalities and powers of heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Unfortunately, most Christians don't know why they go to church. <laughs> That's why the younger generations is leaving, are leaving in the droves because nobody told them why they ought to go to church. Mom and daddy made them go and they, they, they forced them to go and, and now they don't know the why. May, may I encourage you, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, take some time to explain the why. Why do we do this and why don't we do that? 
So most Christians don't know why they go to church or let alone why the church is there in the first place. Why, why is there a church here? Why has a church been established here? And you're saying Christians that don't know their purpose a lot of times go to churches that don't know their purpose. Right, the purpose of the church is not to entertain the saints. Right, we're not here to, we're not here to entertain you. I'm not in the entertainment business. Right, I'm in the preaching business. I'm, I'm in the proclaiming the word of God and I, I, telling you with grace and telling you in love the truth of the word of God. To, I'm not here to entertain you. I might share a story here and there. I, I, I might, might tell a joke here and there, but my heart is not to entertain you. My heart is to help you. But a lot of churches have gone into the entertainment business. That's why it seems like the, the more we go on, the less and less, I said it tonight, it looks and sounds real churchy in here. You know, there's a reason why we, we keep the lights on during the service. It's not because I like paying a high power bill. I like you being able to see the word of God. I like you being able to follow along. So preacher, why don't we turn the lights down and, and focus all everything on the stage because this ain't a production, this ain't a show. Now it takes work and it takes effort in that sense, but at the same time, we're not here to entertain you. I'm not, whether you clap for me when I'm done, I don't care. I didn't get in it for people to clap for me. I didn't get in it for people to say, good job. Uh, it's a blessing, but I didn't get in for that. I got in it to, 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 uh, to, to preach the word of God. The purpose of the church is not to entertain saints. It's not to lead on social change. Amen. I seen something the other day, and it was, I think it was a headline somewhere. And man, it, it was one of those, it, it got my blood boiling. I can't remember what denomination it was and all that kind of stuff. But there was a woman standing there. She was standing behind a little podium and she was a, a pastor or a, a, a preacher of something at some kind of church. And she had a, a long black robe on and she had one of them, them little things that come across it like this, a little, uh, I don't know, I, I had one when I graduated, I don't, a stole, that's what it's called, a stole. And right here on the stole, embroidered in her stole was Planned Parenthood. Her little neck tab right here that's normally white was a rainbow. And it's, her whole thing was it's time for the church to get on with social change. Can I say tonight that that's not the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church isn't, isn't to get along with social change. It is to stick with the word of God. And you can, it's not that I hate those people. It's not that I, I wish bad things on them. They're just wrong. They're wrong tonight. And so the church, the person of the church is not to lead on social change or social issues. Now, we'll take a stand on things like abortion, homosexual marriage, not because they're social issues, but because they're biblical issues. They're biblical issues. Matter of fact, one of the young girls in our Sunday school class this morning, uh, our Sunday, our, the class that I teach, we've just started a series on just friends, on what it's like as you grow up and you become a teenager, and that, that natural thing takes place where all of a sudden, and I've said this for two weeks now, you boys, all of a sudden, you're going you're to start caring about the fact you stink. Right? You're going to start caring the fact that you you got to brush your hair. Right? All of a sudden, girls who had nothing to do with boys are going to say, well, he's kind of handsome. Right? It's a natural thing. But our young people are growing up in a world that is pushing unnatural affection down their throat. And I told him this morning, I'm not going to back down from it. <laughs> that a man or a boy look at another boy, in an it's an unnatural thing. And a girl saying she likes girls in, a, in, a, in an attractive way, in a romantic way, it's an unnatural thing. Well, God made me that. No, he did not. He did not tonight. And as a church, listen, we're going to stand flat-footed there. 
Preacher, would you marry two? two? No, I will not. Preacher, they're going to sue us. Let them sue me. I'd rather, I'd rather go to heaven knowing I'd done right with absolutely no money. <laughs> it's not the purpose of the church. We're not leading social change. We're not, we're not here to bring in the new era. We're here to stick with the stuff that works. And I put this one, this is a personal pet peeve. The church is not here to pay your power bill. Now listen, if you're a member here and you invested here, that's one thing. I can't tell you how many times people call me. I need someone to pay my power bill. It's funny, they don't ever want to sit down and talk about their finances though. Let's see why you got into this predicament. Let's see how we can help this from, from, from happening. I'm a firm believer, right? You, um, you catch a man for a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I'm going to start giving him your number, Timothy. Where you at? That's money man right there. <laughs> he's got it all figured out. I call him, he's my, he's my new personal accountant. But it's this thing like all of a sudden the church is where you go for a free handout. Can I say the church is for the church? Church is for the, now listen, I'm not, I'm not a cruel, mean person. If someone's in desperate need, I'm going to help. But some people think, well, that, the church, it, it's their job to fix all my problems, and it's not. It's not tonight. So preacher, if that, those are, what is the purpose of the church? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's to evangelize the lost. It's our great commission, right? The great commission isn't just for the church. It's for every believer. But if we are a church full of believers, then it ought to be the church's commission to evangelize the lost. Well, then, preacher, since you, ought to, since you preach every message, be a salvation message, well, then how do you grow? If all I ever preach is on salvation and, and how to be saved and why you need to be saved, Right now, it'll make its way into my messages. In essence, I think any time you preach the Bible, you can find a way to get to Calvary. But at the same time, if all we ever preached on how to get saved, how does that help you who's already saved? Remember, the church is for the church. We're here to, uh, to, to equip the saints. We'll get to the next point, but we do have this priority to evangelize the lost. And that's not just for the pastor. That's not just for the Sunday morning service. Can I say that there's been some times, right, and I'll come in and I know I have the message that God wants me to preach, right? And then somebody will come in or somebody will show up or somebody will say so-and-so's here and they're lost. And I begin to fight the battle. And the Lord oftentimes will remind me, he said, go by Calvary real quick. Tell them how, to, how they can be saved but preach to the church. Preach to the church. We're to evangelize the lost. Every soul winning opportunity, here's the thing, every message that will be preached from the pulpit will not be a salvation message, but every time you share the gospel, it'll be a salvation message. It'll be a salvation message. We're to evangelize the lost. We're to equip the saints. The church is to equip the saints, right? To, to give them what is needed to live the Christian life or what is needed to serve and please the Lord. And right now, the church is for the church to teach Christians how to be Christians, how to be Christians. That's why I have no issue with a man standing up with the Bible and teaching on things like dress standards and teaching with things on, on, on what the home is supposed to look like and how to study your Bible and all those different kind of things, right? As long as he's got Bible, as long as he's, he's got scripture in context, I say preach on, man of God. Tell it that way because I need that. I, I need to be equipped. I need help. I need to know how to grow in the Christian, how to live the Christian life. So the churches evangelize the lost, equip the saints. I wrote this down. I don't know how to spell it, so don't ask me. Exegete the scripture. <laughs> what does that mean, preacher? Read your Bible. <laughs> That's the, 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 the helpful way of saying that. 
read and study your Bible, right? The church is to be the pillar and ground of truth. Here's the thing. There's a lot in here tonight that we could replace. Not saying that in a negative way. We could replace the songs we sing. You could replace the pastor tonight. And this is, we're all replaceable, but you cannot replace Bible preaching. You cannot replace expository biblical preaching tonight. It'll always get the job done. I understand sometimes God will move in, we'll have testimony services and all that kind of stuff. Singing will go on for a little bit, but God's put something in my heart that as long as we're together, we're going to open up the Word of God. Because songs are great, songs are wonderful, and I'm thankful for it, and it prepares our heart. But man, I need preaching. I need, I need a pastor to open up and exegete the scripture. Uh, and you, here's the thing. You can find good music just about anywhere. But there's only one place you can find real biblical preaching. It's the church. It's the church. I understand radio broadcasts and all those kind of things. But it's interesting to me, all the sermons that I listen to throughout the week and, and at different times of my life, they always seem to happen in church <laughs> or a church service. Why? That's where you find biblical preaching at, where the exegeting of the scriptures and finally, what is the purpose of the church? To exalt the Savior. To exalt the Savior. It's all about him tonight. My goal and my desire is for when somebody walk out here, or they walk in, they sit in service, whether they're a member or not, when they get done out of here, they've seen Jesus. They, they've heard his voice. He's dealt with them through the word because it's all about him tonight. It's all about him. I had someone tell me this morning, they said, every time I come, Pastor, it seems like you're talking directly to me. I got chuckles. I didn't look at them at one point. During the, I have a bad habit of looking at certain places the whole time. And so if, there's, if you're sitting in one of those places, you probably think, man, preacher's mad at me. It's just, it's my nerves. <laughs> what did I do wrong? But there was a man, he came up to me this, this morning. He said, man, every time I come here, it seems like you, you, you are dealing specifically with me. And I just kind of smiled. Here's what he said. He said, I like that. I like that. I got to tell you, it ain't me. I ain't dealing with you. It's the Holy Spirit of God dealing with you. And I'm thankful tonight that we go to a place where God can do that. How? He's exalted. He's lifted up. Matter of fact, he said, if you lift me up, I'll draw all men, not unto, your, not unto you, but unto myself. And so we come here tonight, and we always come here with intention. I'm going to lift him up, whether it's through singing, whether it's through, through witnessing, whether it's through uh, testifying, whether it's through praising and worship, whether it's just allowing the man of God to preach, right? I'm going to lift Jesus up, and it's all about him. <laughs> I got it. Brother, Brother Odie, man, he tickled my, my soul this morning. I got to tell you, I said, if he, if he would have put a scripture with that, he had three points. He could have saved us all a trip tonight. Brother Odie just preached the afternoon service. <laughs> Can I say that? He was excited to see people coming to the house of God. But he talked to Brother Odie. He's not just excited to see a big crowd. He knows that if they come, they'll have the ability to see Jesus because we're going to lift him up here. We're going to give him the glory that is due unto his name. We're going to honor him. We're going to praise his name. Why? It's all about him. I, our church has a purpose to reach the lost. Right? Our church has a purpose to equip one another to serve the Lord. Our church has a purpose to open up the word of God and search the unsearchable truths of Christ. Our church has a purpose. It is to exalt the Savior. An organism has a purpose. It has power. Remember, I'll share this and I'll be done. I remember being in, in science class and I learned about the circle of life. 
Disney made a pretty good movie about it called The Lion King. <laughs> it's one of the songs in it. I would sing it to you, but I don't remember it all. But I remember looking at my, my science book and there was the circle of life. And right there at the beginning was a little mushroom. And then right there after that was some grass. And then there was a squirrel. And then there was this. And it worked its all its way, all the way back up to an apex predator. But then that apex predator dies and it starts all over again. In essence, tonight, an organism, everything within that chain, that circle of life has a purpose. And tonight, the church has a purpose. And you have a purpose in it. We all are needed in the church tonight. The church has power and thankfully the church has purpose. Why? It's an organism. It's to be alive. It's to be moving, to be active. That's the way God designed it to be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,